You're about to listen to a Gods and Movie Makers bonus episode. As promised in our season one finale, we will be releasing all of our bonus chats where we talk to our guests about pedagogy, research and film. We recommend listening to our main episode before this bonus chat for the full context of our discussion. For more information about the podcast, the films discussed and reading suggestions, head on over to our website, godsandmoviemakers.com. Hello to our lovely subscribers. We're back with Kat Gwyther, PhD researcher in Hebrew Bible, to talk about Dune and pedagogy. Welcome back, Kat. Hello again. So, would you use Dune in a classroom or any other teaching platform or even as part of your research? If you would use the book and not the film, we're also interested in that too. Spoiler, I've already used the book uh, in my research. I work with one theorist called Frederick Jameson, um, and he writes a lot about Dune as a really good example of science fiction and why science fiction is different from fantasy. And he talks a lot about spice worms, which has ruined watching spice worms for me because I can't just enjoy their magnificent beastliness, but I'm constantly haunted by what Jameson writes about them. So I have used Dune, not necessarily about the Bible, but to talk about how we understand science fiction in the context of the Bible. This will be slightly self-indulgent but I'm not going to let you get away with alluding to what Jameson says about the great Shai Halud. Please, what does he say about the sandworms? I apologise for my bastardization of what Jameson says. Jameson is very adamant that fantasy and science fiction are two separate things. In fact, there's a fantastic article by Roland Bohr who writes that Jameson actually lumps religion in with fantasy and is quite derogatory towards it. Fantasy doesn't do anything. Fantasy is, is kind of that Feuerbach's thesis again about religion and how it's put in categories of super or like the extent of humans onto supernatural beings. And Jameson says that actually what science fiction does is very different from fantasy and from magic and this imagination of the extents of humanity is that science fiction is grounded in historical materiality or historical materialism. Jameson is a Marxist and that is very overt and explicit in all of his writings, but that science fiction, no matter how fantastic it is, it is making a comment about the kind of historical material socioeconomic situation of the time. So he uses the sandworms in June as a really good example of this. And he says that they're still making a comment about historical and material matters and facts. So trying to remember what he says, he's making a comment about how June, even with this, is talking about the themes of commodification and colonization, but it's doing it through very fantastic beings. So that's what he's talking about. And it goes into subgenre of utopian literature as, as having a critical diagnostic function where is not just to write about what could be, but rather to to make you turn around and look at what is and think about the system of reality, the social reality that we're actually trapped in. But you should all go read Jameson on science fiction anyway. Big fan. If you don't get to Jameson, Darko Suvin, Metamorphosis of a Genre, has probably the most classic definition of science fiction there is, but his writing is equally incredibly important. And if you want to know about the theory of science fiction, go read him. Thanks for indulging my sandworm tangent. If we return to the question about pedagogy and how you might use this film in the classroom. I would definitely use it in a kind of pedagogical setting. I think that I probably wouldn't set the whole film. (laughs) It's one of those ones where it's so long, any student sitting through it deserves a medal. I think I would probably use the film over the books. And there's a reason for that is because the religious themes are probably less pronounced in the film that we have so far. And I think that's what makes it more interesting to pair with the Bible. The most interesting 
interesting conversations for me haven't been when I've talked to students about biblical themes in Bible movies or what does this, how does this film retell the story of the Bible or retell stories that we know about the Bible, but rather how does this draw on and adapt of biblical images and what does this tell us about the biblical image itself? So I think that that would be a much more interesting way of framing it. And I know that the Dune book series is much more explicit about its theology and its religious elements. It's got a book called Dune Messiah, Children of Dune. There's lots of... God Emperor of Dune. God Emperor of Dune. That was the one I was going for, not Children of Dune. (laughs) But there's much more explicit. And I think that is fine, but it almost stops that thinking process that I think a lot of people will get from having the not obvious religious language or the not obvious religious themes and topics, but actually start to think about, okay, well, what makes this religious? Why is this religious? How is this religious? Is it religious even though it doesn't have a divine character or a divine figure? Is it religious because there's no God? And those are questions we ask about biblical books, right? We ask that about the Book of Esther, expanding what makes things religious, what makes things biblical, how do we recognise those? What does this film that's dealing with themes and images and motifs that we see in the Bible, how does that impact our understanding and reading of the Bible? So I think that's much more interesting. And I know that teaching undergraduates and seminars and things, talking about how Finding Dory or um, my favourite one was talking about um, Esther and, and describing all the men in the book as, as, as modern day quote unquote fuckboys, how that helped enrich their understanding of, of Esther and how these characters were acting. But not because we'd looked at something with religious themes or religious ideas or biblical ideas, but because we'd taken it and looked beyond that to actually understand what these characters and people and ideas were doing beyond this sometimes oppressive category of religious or biblical or theological. If you were going to use the film in order to have students thinking more about these big questions that you've talked about, what is religion? What is religious belief? Are there any particular texts from the Hebrew Bible that you would pair with that to explore those those themes? Are there some that you would pull out and you'd say, let's ask these big questions. What is religion? What is religious belief? Or even to go to the idea of the Bible as science fiction, would it be within reading Exodus? 20 or so. I don't know I'm throwing a number out I'm not a Hebrew Bible scholar <laughs> uh, yeah definitely so I mean I've mentioned Exodus 3 so much today but it's that scene I would definitely get the burning bush narrative read alongside Paul at Honorakis experiencing the spice for the first time one thing that's really great about that scene is that it makes religion material and it makes sacred material and I think that's one really important aspect of studying the Hebrew Bible as itself is that often we think particularly in religious education in the UK, at least in England, it's often talking about the Christian conception or Christian theology or idea of a God being this omniscient, omnipotent, omnibenevolent creator that's absent from material and stuff. And I think that's one of the most important things about the Hebrew Bible is the way that it deals with stuff. So actually Paul getting on the ground and putting his hands in the ground and having that connection to the sacred, to the spice, demonstrates the materiality of of religious belief really well. I think that's fantastic. But also the same of Moses walking into the space, the sacred space, and and then being told, you need to take your shoes off. This is a sacred space. This is a sacred place, this grounding of religion religious belief um, that we see. One thing that I think I would like to deal with if I was going to teach this was would be the, the, the imperial language and the, the imperialness of it all. So whether that's maybe looking at Joshua. There's a bit in this in the film, and probably Joe, you're going to have to help me out here with remembering the details, but whether it's a really dark scene, it's the emperor, the Harkonnens, and they're hung upside down. They were kind of stood like in an army formation. So the scene in question is on the planet 
Salicus Secundus, even I am going to have butchered that name. <laughs> Essentially, it's a mirror to the world Dune in the books. So it's an awful, awful planet. But the theory, the military theory behind also Paul, but the Empire, is that if you put soldiers, basically young boys, into these really harsh environments, it makes them into very, very tough soldiers. So this world is designed to be monstrous hellhole, and then it produces these legions. Well, what's worse than Seleucus Secundus? Well, Arrakis. So this is where the kind of military theory comes in. The Fremen are the ultimate warriors because they survived Dune. But we have this almost Aztec-inspired human sacrifice where they are bleeding out these poor figures on a pyramid-like structure. And then they're anointing these soldiers who are kneeled in blood before they then go off to essentially fight as black ops troops, really. That's a bit overdone. incredibly but. detailed summary. I feel like a round of applause is needed, but... But I think scenes like that, where particularly like the horrific nature is emphasised or there's some suggestion within the film or the plot that we should think badly of these people should be explored with the biblical text. I think putting that scene of them draining the blood, that's that's the scene that I associate most heavily with saviour imagery because they look like crucifixes upside down. But that is a horrible image. So how do we think about crucifixion in the Bible then paired with that image? Questions about empire and the emperor being a bad figure, but yet in the book of Revelation, you get all this imperial language that's used alongside it. Is that a problem? Is that something that's good? Can we use that language even though we associate it with bad? Is there a dual nature going on there? And in terms of teaching us to read the Bible as science fiction, hmm, I'm not sure that Jude would be the best example for that. But I think there are parts about Dune that I definitely appreciate or can teach us a lot about the Bible. I think that one of the best things that the film does especially, but also I know that Frank Herbert does this in the books as well, is this culture blending. We have not only Islamic influences from Arab and Arabic and also Islamic styles or forms of prayer. So one of the things about Dune that I like the most is this blending of cultures, this blurring of cultures where you have prayer beads, you have Catholic nuns, religious figures that are as Catholic nuns with their dress. People that look, look like bishops a lot or, or people that are high up within um, the Catholic church when it's ceremonial dress with more kind of religious dress that we might, might associate with. Yeah, this with was another Islamic. group that we don't really see much of in the film, yeah. but their costumes were spectacular, very high Beautiful. church, very evocative of high church vestments for the Roman Catholic church, for yeah. the Anglican church. I was kind of sad that we didn't get more of them. I believe that they were meant to represent the guild navigators who occupy like a spice-rich environment. And in June Messiah... And in David Lynch's Dune, we get to see one because the heavy use of spice mutates them into these they've shriveled appendages and giant heads and then just kind of float around in a tube. So they're very, very odd, but that's where they eventually go. So these are probably either this Dune series is not going to go down that route or they are guild navigators who fold space-time essentially to travel interstellar distances, and those helmets supply them with the spice. And they are part of the Chome Company. I can't remember what the acronym stands for, but they are like the uber-monopoly capitalist group in the universe because they control all the shipping, they control uh, moving armies, people, everything around. But then they're also in this highly religious garb, and they've completely overlapped these 
two domains that we might think of very, very separate in our context. But the priests, the high priests in June are also like the high up in the economy and run everything. So this is a real melding of religion and politics. Mm. Yeah, I think that I probably should have said in addition to the very obvious vestments, they are wearing these big futuristic astronaut type helmets massive props to the costume designer for the film as a whole but Mm -hmm. really to that group because they get so little screen time and so little description but so much is communicated through what they're wearing fully agree and like the same with the benny jesuits we know we aren't actually told they're religious but we are told that everything through their costuming i think maybe that's an additional tool is right like look at characters and costumes and describe who they are i think that's one tool we probably don't pay attention enough in biblical studies because we're so familiar with doing the text uh we have jacqueline west and bob morgan to thank for the costume design in june they were nominated for an academy award sadly lost out to cruella coming back to that melding of cultures melting of cultures that we have in june i think that that's one of the points that june can reflect back on the bible is it, it reminds us that we actually have that in the bible we don't have this unique distinctive culture but actually we have a lot of influences from the cultures that are going on around the creation of of the biblical text that draw into to create this layered and new adapted culture and texts and writings and belief systems etc etc and i think that that's one thing that dune and its use of religious imagery can actually really highlight about our understanding of the bible what we've basically heard from you so far is that The film might be good in some settings, but possibly not, in part because of how long it is. Are there any texts or articles that deal with the film or the book that you would refer to or draw from? Currently, I did do some digging into this, and what I found is that a lot of writings about June are about the book, probably because the film only came out in 2021, last year. And often they deal with uh, theology and more theological concepts that are going on in in the book. There was one article called The Blackness of Liette Kynes, reading Frank Herbert's Dune through James Cone, which takes a really interesting approach. It was published in 2018 that looks at black liberation, um, salvation, soteriology. And that I found was actually probably the best or the most interesting discussion around Dune and theology, if that is something that you're interested in. But I think that would be a really good tool because a lot of writers on Dune, I think, tend to focus on, yeah, the chosen one. There's a a real bad habit in sci-fi about writing really bad messianic figures and Jesus figures, etc. Again, a discussion for another day. Um, But there is actually an upcoming volume about theology and Dune that seems to be more explicitly dealing with ideas of colonisation and conquest and the themes that we've touched on. I don't know when that's expected to be released. I sadly didn't put in a bid for a chapter, I wish I had done, but it's in the pop culture and theology series. Uh, They also have great other series on every universe you could imagine. If that is something you're interested in more, I'd really recommend reading that. Yeah, highlight the James Cohen reading of Dune as perhaps a more interesting take on the overdone themes of salvation, chosen one, etc. that are often repeated in biblical religion in Dune. I will say, I haven't found that many biblical studies readings of Dune. Would like to find more of those. Do you hear that, academics listening? More yeah. religious studies readings <laughs> of Dune, please. Please, someone write about Dune and the Hebrew Bible. 
if someone would like to pay me for it, this is my plug now. I'm available for mission. Thank you so much, Kat. This has been a really great discussion. And if that article that you've mentioned is open access, we will link to it on the main episode page on our website, godsandmoviemakers.com. And I think this is a wrap on our pedagogy. Thanks again to Kat for her extra time today. It's been a real pleasure, Kat. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so great to talk about June with equally nerdy people. As always, you can follow us at GodMavPod on Twitter and Instagram. You can also contact us or donate on our website, godsandmoviemakers.com. Thanks for listening and thanks for subscribing. Until next time. I'm Joe Scales. And I'm Katie Turner. Bye.